Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, and we will continue in our series on spiritual warfare, beginning by reading in uh, verse 10. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we would uh, first ask for your protection in these moments as you have exposed the evil one, but you have also shown the armor and that which efficiently, perfectly protects against him. And so he cannot be happy. So for that reason, we ask for your protection and we pray that you would help us to focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and none other. Not our lives, not what's gone on earlier today or what's going on later today, but upon your word. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. And as we begin today, I want to encourage you to be praying for uh, Dr. David Kuhn uh, Jr., who is in Haiti today on a medical mission. Um, He left yesterday and will be there about a week, so remember him in prayer, please. Um, And as I speak of Haiti, uh, of course, it's a a focus area for us, One of our elders, Brian Clifton, is on the board of El Shaddai Ministries. We've had uh, a number of us have been there, uh, including many of our our youth over the years. And uh, as I was thinking about that, we need to know this, that if this series or this message were being preached in Haiti... It would really apply, but it would be preached from a whole different perspective. 
there wouldn't have had to be any convincing that there is spiritual warfare going on because they live it every single day of their lives. They see it. We don't see very much of the results of it, or at least uh, we don't know necessarily efficiently uh, what is spiritual warfare. So we talked about all that which we cannot see. But, you know, they wouldn't even think, the ministry there wouldn't even think about buying a, a piece of property without considering what, what's going on in this area spiritually. What kind of warfare is taking place right here? And so understand that, that uh, I'm, I'm applying this here in the United States and in our day, but in many countries, it is much more outward. And if you talk with missionaries, not just in, in countries like Haiti, but all over the world, you will often hear stories of uh, very vivid uh, and horrifying spiritual warfare. And so this is essential that we understand it, and especially because it's maybe in our circumstances easier to forget than it is in some other places. Now, in Haiti, uh, that may, uh, forgetting it may not be their issue, but fear is because they see it so vividly. So as we uh, continue on in this, this series, we see from uh, verse 10, our, our verse of the year, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So here's the question we start with. Is it his armor? We're talking about his armor today and next week. Is it his armor or ours? Is it his actions or ours? And the answer is, yes, it is. This is one of those places where uh, we see that, that uh, balance between understanding that it is uh, de- uh, completely God's strength that we must depend upon. But at the same time, we don't just rest and be passive, but we are in a battle as well. And so it's both and. Now we'll talk in a moment about the order of things, uh, but, but we have to understand that this isn't telling us to put together some armor and go into spiritual battle. That would be like a little child uh, making a shield out of cardboard and going into a very real war. There would be no protection. And so if we depend upon ourselves, an armor that we would come up with or say, well, this will uh, uh, put the devil off or this will will fool him or or whatever, because I read this great book over here about, about that, we will fail every time. We will be routed every time if we depend upon ourselves. We are responsible to seek Christ, however, and obey, but to focus on the victor, who is Christ himself. And then it talks about the whole armor. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Uh, I mentioned last week William Gurnall. 
who wrote 1,200 pages, about these 11 verses. And uh, um, he, he says this regarding God's armor. He says, in heaven, we shall appear not in armor, but in robes of glory. But here they, the pieces of armor he's talking about, are to be worn night and day. We must walk, work, and sleep in them, or else we are not true soldiers of Christ. That's how important it is. That's why he wrote 1,100 or 1,200 pages on these few verses. So this speaks about standing against the schemes of the devil. Uh, If we cannot stand in our own strength, which is what I've told you for the last two weeks that Paul is emphasizing here, that we cannot possibly stand in our own strength, then that uh, tells us how we are are to interpret these next verses. Uh, The armor is that which God supplied. It's not about us conjuring it up or putting it in place rightly. Uh, because God put it there. He forged it. He put it on us. He secured it. And because of that, it will not fail. And his people will stand, those in Christ. So let's take a look uh, at the first five pieces uh, of armor that he mentions here. First, he mentions in verse 14, the belt of truth. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Uh, The normal form of dress for men uh, in the world in that day, both for Jews and Romans, was long flowing robes. Okay? So when it came to battle, uh, can you imagine, and maybe you ladies would realize how awkward this would be. I can't even picture it because... Believe it or not, I've never been in a long flowing robe. But uh, uh, to go into battle with a long flowing robe on uh, would hinder one. Uh, you couldn't fight. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't run when you needed to toward the enemy or uh, anywhere else. And so what they would do is they would uh, take these long flowing robes and they would wrap them up and they would take a, a thick belt some of the older versions says gird yourself or, or, or girdle yourself. And they would take this thick belt that would uh, hold the robe in place so that they would be free to fight in the battle and their legs wouldn't get uh, uh, caught up. It is significant that uh, the, the first thing he mentions in terms of the armor is truth. We live in a day where people seek truth in all kinds of places. Some people seek it on Fox News or CNN or somewhere in between there or on one side or the other of those. That's a mistake. I'm not saying everything that anyone says Uh, Everything isn't untrue, but that must not be where we get our hope and our our truth. We also live in a day where uh, it's not uncommon for someone to say, well, that's your truth. Let me tell you about my truth. 
as if there are, everyone can have their own truth, rather than talking about the truth. The truth is objective, and it does not change. Jesus said he was the truth. I am the truth. Now, in terms of this passage, there's at least two streams that commentators have taken in terms of understanding what's it talking about in terms of the truth here. Uh, One is the truth of the gospel, uh, the precious doctrines of, of faith, and we in this church hold them as precious. On Wednesday night, our growth classes, two of our classes are dealing with those truths looking at the Word of God and the doctrines that come from the Word of God. Doctrine is not a bad thing. It is a right thing when it's based upon the Word of God. So if it's that kind of truth, the truth of the gospel, how ready are you for the battle? Let me give you an example. You're talking to a neighbor or someone at work or someone at your school, and they say, hey, what, what does your church believe? Are you ready to say, this is what I believe? Or they may say something like, how do Presbyterians, how are they different than you fill in the blank? Are you ready to answer that? And so... You're, you're trying to think through and you're trying to say, well, what do I say in this brief conversation? What does our church believe? And so maybe, and this would be a good direction to go, you, you say, well, we, we hold to the gospel. And then they say, what is the gospel? Could you answer that? Could you answer that to the degree that if God's Holy Spirit was working in their life that they would be able to be saved? They could trust in Christ alone for eternal life because you explained the gospel to them? These are essentials that we must understand in terms of the truth. The other stream of thought that some commentators have, uh, have said is that it applies, uh, you know, not so much to the gospel, but, but personal truth. In other words, a sincere heart. Uh, the truth, they might say, that is produced in an individual by the gospel, which that should be there. In other words, if you, if you trust in Christ alone, if you believe the gospel, it should have an impact on your life. And your life, because you are a follower of the one who says he's the truth, it should exhibit truth. So which of those two streams is the right one here when it talks about the belt of truth? John Stott, I think, had the best comment in terms of those two streams. He says... Perhaps we do not need to choose between these alternatives. R.C. Sproul said, The person who is involved in spiritual warfare but is weighted down with his own sinfulness is like someone trying to run through a battlefield with a robe around his ankles. You see, he's saying if your life is not, uh, not, uh, 
characterized by the truth, you're not ready for battle. It's the lives of believers that, that stand as the great testimony as to the truth of the gospel or not. And so the question would be, does our life, does my life, does it show that the gospel is, is true and real? Not because I'm perfect, because nobody will be, but in terms of redemptively. Does it show that uh, the gospel is real, or does it show that the gospel is false? And just something that I've made up to comfort myself. Gurnall, this is the last time I'll quote him, he says this, whether it is the truth of doctrine or truth of heart, sincerity, I think best that comprise both. One will not do without the other. It's both. And I think that's the best way to to look at this particular uh, truth. And then we see, secondly, the breastplate of righteousness. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the, the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Um, that could have been in numerous designs. Some were solid. Some were uh, more of a, a chain mail. But the key is that it protected vital organs. And most of what they wore at that time was front and back. Uh, protecting the heart, in essence, protecting those, those organs. But he, he calls it the breastplate of righteousness. John Calvin is very firm in his interpretation that it's not really talking about the righteousness that Christ imputes or gives to his people, but rather our actions. He would say it's the blameless life. And I have to agree. Um, we cannot put on the righteousness of Christ. Other world religions imply that that's the way to go, that you've got to become righteous and then God will accept you. We can't do that. Christ was the only perfect and righteous one, and he then gave us his righteousness, if we're trusting in him alone. And then, because he gave that to us, then we should live a life that reflects that, a life of obedience, a life of following him. And we can't get the order of that mixed up. Don't think it starts with your righteousness. Instead, it is, always begins with the righteousness of Christ. One of the, the beauties of this table is that, that I think when we come to the table every month, it makes us look deeper. It makes us examine maybe in a deeper way. We should do it all the time and every day and every Lord's Day we should be examining ourselves. But I know, even for me, that that's the case, that... I know because of the warnings of the table that I tend to look deeper and, and it will cause us to look at unconfessed sin. And so in that way, that's a beauty of this table that prepares us better for the battle.
The third piece of armor are the shoes. The gospel of peace as shoes, verse 15, for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So imagine going to battle without shoes. You wouldn't be very effective. Sharp things, rocks, your feet are exposed. You're not ready for battle. Up to the last century, that's how armies moved. They moved on foot. They got from here to there. They got to the battle and they uh, went into the battle on their feet. And that's what it's talking about. They were foot soldiers. So what are the shoes? talks about the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Most commentators think that uh, this is parallel with what Paul was talking about in Romans 10. Let me read that to you. How then, verse 14 of Romans 10, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they're sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news now where'd that come from well in in that day it could be very risky being a messenger because depending on what message you were bringing you could sometimes because you brought a bad message be punished If you were bringing a good message, you could be rewarded. And so those that that knew they had a good message, uh, uh, I've I've read that, that some say that they could tell from the fortress or from the city uh, whether the messenger was bringing good news or bad news by, by how quickly they were running, by the dust that was coming up from their feet because... They were either excited about it or not too excited about delivering that message. So here it's saying, look, we've got good news. We are that messenger. And here it says, how beautiful. How beautiful are your feet because of that. Paul's actually indicating that that kind of readiness is part of what keeps us protected from the schemes of the devil. And then it goes on, talks about the shield of faith. Uh, Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, this would not be a little round shield that you might picture from watching uh, a movie on TV of those in the you know, in the arena in Rome with this little shield. This instead uh, was talking about uh, the, the battle shield, three or four feet wide, six feet tall, that they would take in to battle. And they would stand as they, as they moved toward uh, either the, the city or the fortress, and they would overlap them. And then when they got close, they would uh, put it over them as well. Uh, And that would keep the arrows and even the flaming arrows from hitting them. And the flaming arrows, the, the fiery ones, were the most fearsome to them. Because not only could it kill you, but even if it hit you, there'd be great suffering 
as your clothing or you would catch on fire. And this is saying that's, that's what we have. We need to have that shield of faith because they are flaming arrows that are headed our way. He is, Paul's making uh, uh, known that the protection against those flaming darts is faith. It's trust in the one who is greater than the evil one. And then it talks about the helmet of salvation. Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the, the word of God. Now, first of all, that last part, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All these other things are, are pretty much defensive. That one is a weapon. And so that's why next week uh, we're going to spend the whole time talking about that, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that and prayer next week. But in terms of uh, the helmet of salvation, you know, we don't even let little children ride their bikes on the sidewalk without a helmet anymore, much less if we were in a battle that we could see having access to a helmet and saying, I don't need a helmet to go into this battle. Here it's saying the helmet of salvation. That is where it starts. First Thessalonians 5.8 says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. So here's, here's the thing. Whatever is going on in your life, if you are trusting in Jesus Christ alone, you have the helmet of salvation and you are protected from that fatal blow. That's why it's the helmet. Paul's using that to fortify believers with the emphasis that it doesn't depend on, on our own strength, but upon him and his armor. Verse 11 then, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So we cannot piecemeal our armor. We can't say, I'm good, I got the breastplate of righteousness, or... Uh, you know, I'm good, I got, I got good shoes. Uh, we need every spot covered or we'll, we will be vulnerable to what one called that heat-seeking arrow that will find our vulnerability because Satan will look for that vulnerability. And so we need Christ. We need all of him all of the time. We need Jesus who throughout his life showed perfect armor so that he could accomplish our salvation. And if we have all of Jesus, here's what happens. You may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So as we approach this table, know this. It is here 
that we will be nourished. It is here that our armor will be fortified. Yeah, it's a little piece of bread. It's a little of the fruit of the vine. But it represents way more than that. When we take by faith, we are nourished and strengthened to re-enter this battle that is raging. And here we should be reminded of that. But also here, we should be reminded of who will win the battle. Jesus will come back and one little word shall fell him. That word from Jesus. So the Apostle Paul, who also knew that the war was won, said this in terms of this table, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Unconfessed sin that we refuse to deal with means we would eat and drink judgment on ourselves. On the other hand, sin that we have dealt with, not in our own strength or our own righteousness, but only because of what Jesus did on the cross, then we are invited here to be nourished, to be strengthened, to be fortified. Let's pray together. Lord, we know there's nothing magical at this table. And yet you have called us to it. And you love to use it. You've told us that, that we need to do this until you come back and finish the battle. And so here we are, Lord. We're still in the battle. We know that. Some of us are really struggling in the battle. So we need you to strengthen us, to shore up our doubts and our faith. Enable us to look to you, to know you in a deeper way, and be even more ready to re-enter this battle, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.